Welcome to the Calm Nights, Strong Days podcast. With over 30 years in the health and wellness industry, I've realized there's no one-size-fits-all solution for sleep and stress resilience. What affects one person's sleep and ability to handle stress is different for each of us. The stage of life you're in, work and home stressors, your DNA, genetics, upbringing, social life, and more all affect how your body handles stress and your quality of life. Join me as we explore a variety of tools, strategies, and solutions I've employed with clients over the years in solo episodes, as well as insightful interviews and experts. Together, we'll unravel more pieces of the puzzle, empowering you on your journey to calm nights and strong days. So let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode 31 of the Burnout Expert podcast. Today, we are going to be diving into parenting under pressure when you're balancing your own burnout and your child may be having intense emotions. In our last episode where I was interviewing Lara Johnson, we explored the challenges of parenting a child whose nervous system is constantly firing, just going where they can go this like this lightning fast reaction, zero to a hundred from calm to anger and, and even rage in this blink of an eye. And we discussed how this can affect you both as a parent when you're actually aware that their nervous system is at play, but also we dove into, there are times where you don't even know, like before you actually realize that that is what's happening is your child's nervous system is, it's just firing on all cylinders. And we really did only scratch the surface on how to navigate these complexities of parenting a child like this when you're in burnout, as well as when you're not in burnout. So today, I really wanted to make sure that we dove into this nervous system and and I can help you understand why possibly you who is in burnout is having these intense reactions going from zero to hundred frustration, maybe anxiety, panic attacks, or that anger and rage that really comes out of nowhere, as well as understanding that in your child as well, if your child is exhibiting these symptoms. And so that you, like, once you understand more about this nervous system, you'll start to see that if you have a child that is totally acting out and you'll see sometimes where you're watching other parents who may say something or a teacher or a coach or somebody that should be respected by these kids where they, um, these other kids listen, but your kid may not be able to stop it. And, and so that's when the strategies that may work with many other kids, if they aren't working with your kids, then hopefully today this will under, you'll understand, um, why it's not working with your kids and hopefully I can give you some, some steps right now to even just knowing and understanding that your child is not in control of this. The same way, if you are somebody who is in burnout, that when your ice, I, I had a friend that called it Medusa. And then I called it Medusa after that, where my husband will walk in a room and I would just get angry. And he didn't know who he was going to get was the, the real me or this person that like, just could could go into to being angry and 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 this other person. So it's really important for you to understand this because understanding it is where we can then start understanding what's going on in our body. And it's where we can break this vicious cycle where if we don't, our kids' behavior ex- escalates. Um which then pushes your system more, which pushes you more into burnout, which then starts 
getting you either into more anxiety, into overwhelm, deeper burnout, um, maybe more anger and rage in yourself as well. And it's just this vicious cycle. And so my hope with this is that I'm able to give you some clarity and, and to understand some things that we can start doing now to start breaking that cycle. So let's first dive into your brain and the nervous system. <clears throat> so you've heard me mention before in the past how our body does not have this filter to know what a stress is like what an, an intense stress is, an intent, a stress where you actually should be fighting and should be fleeing. Our bodies don't know that. It's not something that has ever advanced since caveman days. It doesn't know if that email you're reading or you see a name on an inbox or um, you've spilled your coffee, you're running late for work, that these are not life or death situations. And and the thing is, is that your body reacts the same to so many of these stressors. And we are getting more and more stressors in our environment with more blue, blue lights. I live in the city. There's lights everywhere. When you go downtown, like just all the billboards, all the screens, everything's lit up and bright. Um, and that alone is a stress on our body that never used to be there. The way that social media has come in and keeps pulling us in, that's that's a stressor nowadays too. Like there's so many stressors, the toxins that are out there that never used to be, um, the degree of the toxins that are out there. So there's so many stressors that are adding up onto us and into our body. There's just, it's there's it really is adding up. And the thing is, is that our brain perceives stress. And when it perceives this stress, it then signals the nerve, the stress nerve, hey, you need to get into that fight or flight state. And it puts you into this hyper arousal state. It pumps cortisol, adrenaline, epinephrine and stuff all throughout your body. And, and it just becomes too much. Now, when we're looking at, we'll look at burnout and we'll look at kids like we spoke of um, in the last episode, like my son. So in regular burnout, you, you have a bucket that I, I kind of talk about where this bucket holds your stress. And when that stress bucket gets too full, then your body can handle less and less stressors. So you don't get a good night's sleep. Your body struggles more than it used to. You're going to the gym, but your bucket is so full that your body can't heal from workouts, which your body during a workout is supposed to break down micro tears in your body, in your muscles, and those are supposed to heal better and stronger. But when your bucket is so full, you lose that ability to do these things. So you start getting more injuries and you get more colds and flus. Your body can't heal and repair. And, and you get more heightened reactions to smaller and smaller and smaller stressors. So that's what happens when you're in burnout. And the thing as well is this nervous system is like a muscle. The stronger that we work at, or the more that we work at, the stronger it gets, the quicker it is to react. And so when we have all of these stressors that are in our environment, our stress nerve then becomes so strong as well that if we're also, so we, we have all these stressors, but if we're not working our resting nerve, then it starts getting so overpowered by our stress nerve that, that our stress nerve is kicking in constantly, kicks in, kicks in, kicks in faster and faster and faster to smaller and smaller stressors. So you take a child, so that's with burnout as well. When you take a child that has heightened senses, you take an autistic child and they take in information at an astronomical rate. When they are into a subject that they are into, the amount of information that those kids can take in and entail and the speed that some of them can take it in, depending on the type of autism that it is and the stages of autism. Mm -hmm. um, but there are studies that even show with kids that are nonverbal, mm -hmm. their brains still are working miles a minute that there's ways that technology has been able to help those kids um, to be able to see how fast their brains work. 
they're also so much more aware of their environment. So my son possibly may have PDA, which we said was pathological demand avoidance. It's where any demands that are put on them sends them into a stress spiral. And their bodies, as soon as they get a demand on them, which is put on your shoes. Here, it's time to eat dinner. All of these things, it's like, oh my God, I can't stop what I'm doing and transition and switch and I am stressed. My son as well is, uh, and you'll find this as well with kids, if you have a child that may catch on to things super, super fast, their brain may be firing so fast that everyday things stress them out, that it becomes so much of a stress for them. (coughs) So we tend to have these typical stressors that people talk about. So these typical stressors are, as I was saying, like stress from your job, stress from finances, stressors from being tired, get those stressors from... eh, You know what? I don't even know if this is a stressor to as many people, but some it is for my son. So you get these stressors as well that some people with these heightened senses. So when I kind of I do, I talk about this as being like this dog that can sniff bombs. Well, my son and myself in this situation, we can smell things. So if we're walking down the street, we can smell fabric softeners. We can smell synthetic fragrances. Now, synthetic fragrances, if you dive into the science of that, synthetic fragrances, um, the any synthetic fragrance, they disrupt your hormones. And your hormones manage your moods, manage your stress levels, manage so many things that are happening in your body. The thing is, is that for most people, they actually love the smells of colognes of like, oh, the the fabric softeners and the dryer sheets. Some people love those smells so much. And that's what draws them into buying those things. And they they relate that as being a clean scent. Um, Shampoos, conditioners, soaps, all of these things, toothpaste. The thing is, is that when you're somebody that your system is so attuned into these things and your body is affected so quickly, that this signals your stress nerve that, oh man, there's a danger. There's a synthetic fragrance here. So for the majority of the people, like my husband and my one son doesn't affect at all, but oh man, Febreze, my husband decided to Febreze his hockey equipment and he put it in a garbage bag, still been in our basement. And it was under a vent that went up into our living room. And my son and I walked into the house, my younger son that's affected like this as well. And we were like, instantly him and I were angry. He actually started hitting his brother. He started yelling. I'm sitting there looking at my husband going, what's that smell? What's in this house? What did you put in here? And I'm getting madder and madder and madder at him as I'm in the house. And he instantly knew he's like, crap. How did you smell that in a garbage bag tied up in the basement? Like we were in the front of the house. You have to walk to the other end of our house and down the stairs into the basement to get into our basement. Like, and we could smell it. And he instantly brought it outside. um, Ended up having to take it to work until the smells were out of it enough that he could bring it back into our house. Um, he couldn't have put it into the trunk of the car because anytime we'd be in the car, then we would just be like angry. And so this is the thing is that when you get these kids that are hyper aware of their surroundings, so you have autism, you have, um, you get these kids that I don't like using the word gifted because there's certain stigma that goes along with gifted. But what a lot of people don't understand is when you have a gifted child, (laughs) there's, the higher gifted that they go, the more they actually struggle um, socially with their nervous systems, with a lot of things that are happening around them. And some of these kids actually struggle with tests and stuff in school, the way that the school system works, but because their brains are wired so different. And the one way that they're wired is they're so sensitive to stressors. So smells can be one of them. If you have a child, and, and my husband has learned 
that even though he doesn't, he can't smell it. As soon as we say, what's that smell? He knows to help us get rid of it because he instantly sees once the smell is gone, both of us turn back into normal human beings. Um, touch. Touch could be one thing as well, where certain kids touch can send them over the edge the way that you touch them. Or if you have dry hands, it could send them over the edge. Or if you have lotions or smells and stuff on them. So touch can be lights, too much bright light, which could just be, um, I know for me, I've always, always struggled to do exams and tests in um, a lit room with fluorescent lighting. Um, the lighting struggles with my eyesight. It messes up my eyes and my focus and my thinking. And I, I, I can't focus. I almost like blank out with my eyes. It's kind of crazy. Um, you guys are going to think I'm, I'm weird, but honestly, this is what I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm actually neurodiverse. Um, the noises. So there's certain noises, certain sounds. You may have a child that if you have like the sink on, they can't hear you. They can't hear what you're saying. But then there's other times where they hear you whispering up in a room, like a floor above. And you're like, how the heck can you not hear what I'm talking about when I'm right in front of you? But you can hear the small sounds far away. And that is because their hearing is actually extra hearing that they hear all these sounds we don't hear, that sometimes they struggle to filter them out. Some of these kids as well, and adults, hear different things in their left ear versus their right ear. So they're taking in, they can take in two conversations, but they have to process two conversations. And it can get overwhelming. So if there's music playing and a conversation going on, they may not be able to hear you, or you might start noticing as well that they get more frustrated, they get more angry, they're not able to focus. And so because of that, um, they get agitated and, you, and, and you're like, but it's just music, right? But it's just overstimulation based on what's happened in their day. So my son could hear every chair scrape. He could hear kids sighing in school, any of the little side conversations, any of the noises. He's in an old school where things reverberated. So anybody be walking down the hall, he could hear all of these sounds that focusing then on what a teacher is saying is really tough. So that's where we get as well. Sometimes with this ADHD symptoms where kids can't sit still, kids can't focus quite often. It's actually an auditory processing disorder. There's definitely hundred um, percent ADHD, but um, auditory processing disorders are often missed because you need a special audiologist to test these things in a child. And so my son was so overstimulated in school um, that he couldn't make it through the day. There's days where he could not get through the front doors. He'd be like his friends. He really liked his friends, but he'd be like, Oh my God, they're so loud mommy. And then there was one day where there was a spider as they went in and a bunch of kids screamed and he was done. He was so done. So overtaxed, so overstimulated from the, the noise and the, oh, just the commotion that he explodes. And then I'd get calls from his teacher. You know, he's about to explode or he has exploded. He needs to come home. That I was getting so many calls of this that I ended up taking him out Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I ended up, um, and I would just see a difference when he'd be home, but I could not make a noise. I needed to work upstairs. I needed to be quiet. If I was, I couldn't listen to a podcast downstairs. I couldn't make too much noise while I was making lunch because it was still too much stimulation that once I took him out five days a week, Monday to Friday, and he got quiet Monday to Friday, he started calming down. His nervous system wasn't being taxed. So if we go back to this nervous system thing, all of these things were taxing his nervous system, all of them. And, and we don't, I, I, I know the, the smell one with him. I slightly do the lights, but the noise I didn't get. And once I saw him being home Monday to Friday in the quiet from nine to three, while his brother was at school, his dad was at school, I worked upstairs and I just saw the quiet and I saw the change in him. It was, well, what are we now? So that was September, September, October, November, December, January, February, March. I think it was February ish. He was like, mom, I want to do swim lessons. So I'm talking six months, six months of him being quiet, 
six months of him not having to smell all those smells at school, six months of him not having to have all the lights at school and all the, all of the sensory stuff at school that he was able to finally go back to swimming lessons. And the thing is for him, a swimming pool, a gym or a hockey rink where all the reverberation happened used to send him through the rails. He would walk in and go, I can't be in here. We got to get out. And he would just be yelling at us. He was like, this is horrible. I can't, I got to get out. I got it. And he would almost just want to run, just run because the sounds and all that was too much stimulation because he never had the quiet. So what we found is now like he's had this quiet that he does his Pokemon tournaments. He now is swimming. He'll go and do parkour. He's able to get out and go more. He's actually talking to other kids outside a little bit more now. He's with getting this quiet and this break on his nervous system. He is now able to go out and do things. We went to Canada's Wonderland last year, which was huge to go to an amusement park. Now he did have his earplugs in all the time um, to downplay some of the noise. And we didn't go on many crazy rides, but like that was a huge step for him that, that we, when he was in school, could not go outside of the house with him because he needed, it was too much stimulation. So when we start thinking of this as the nervous system, and we think of all the stimulation that we get during the day with all of the things that we do. Now, an extrovert loves it. Introverts tend to need more of that quiet space and time in order to then go out and socialize and do all of those other things. I know for me, I love to be having these deep conversations and, and things with people, but I need that downtime after as well because it does stimulate my nervous system. And when you are burnt out, you don't have those capabilities in your nervous system to process just the basics, the little things with my son too, dyes and coloring. Like he doesn't eat any candy sugars in them. He's at the point now though, where we've taken so much bandwidth off of his stress system that he can have, he, he can't do like Skittles or any of those things with all the dyes and colorings in them. He can't do suckers, but he can eat chocolate bars sometimes now. Now we usually do dark chocolate without as much sugar in it, but he has once in a while had, um, he can have little pieces of chocolate now and not go through the roof. He can have little pieces of gluten now. Gluten used to send him into tantrums and he can have a little bit now because his stress system, because his nervous system has had that relief. We've also worked on his gut to be able to give his gut relief as well. And these are all the same things with adults that are in burnout that I look at is all of these, like, where are your stressors? Um, and the thing too, with a lot of these kids that are um, ahead in certain subjects is because things have been so, so easy for them, or people will say, wow, you're so smart. They expect the levels of what they expect that they can do are unrealistic. Their perfectionism beats on them so much that they expect themselves to be able to do things that like, I look at my son and I'm like, professional athletes can't even do that. But because his memory processing is so quick, he does every sport left and right-handed, but he can't play a group sport, soccer, baseball, any of those things. One reason is because of his perfectionism on himself is so high. What he expects of himself, he makes one mistake. He thought that he should get a goal every single time in soccer, but then also all the bumping the touching of the other kids trying to get the ball, he feels and sees and remembers all of that too, that it gets so overstimulating for him. So there's just so much with this that we've had to make sure that he has a really good amount of time during the week where he is not overstimulated so that he can actually go and do some normal kid things. And he still can't do as many as most kids can. Um, and we still have the meltdowns and everything. Um, and we will be out and he will 
go from that rage where zero to hundred just start yelling at us. Um, and because we know that it's this nervous system, we sit there and we let him get it out. It's getting that cortisol out. And there are times where I know we tried, I tried getting him to go to circus school and it was so stressful for him. So stressful. It was also in a gym, which I didn't realize it was in a, it was in a, a church gym. I didn't realize how much the sound reverberated in there that we had to leave. Mm-hmm. And, and he was just be like, mom, like he's in the car. He's like, I need to get out of the car. I need to run, I need to run. And we stopped off at just a park and he ran and ran and ran. And he's getting better at understanding what his body needs when. So it's not just as much of like yelling at us, but sometimes still too, he still does yell at us. Still those quick reactions. Sometimes for the smallest things that we don't even think should have those reactions and they shouldn't. He's gotten so far that I just want to say that if you have a kid like this or you yourself are in burnout, and you're finding that every small thing is getting to you, just know that this is your nervous system sending you a signal. Know that this is your nervous signal telling you that it is just text. And and even if you're taking stressors out, I mean, there's certain things, I'll I'll go in in a second of things that we have done to help my son um, with a lot of these stressors in his life. Um, but there, there's also the other thing too, of traumas and we're starting to dive into, I did an episode a few ago about parts therapy. Uh, he's been going to a CBT therapist for the behavior stuff, but what we're finding too, is he's gotten to a certain point in the behavior. Um, and he's stuck because his perfectionism is getting in the way. Um, his, yeah, his perfectionism is really getting in the way and his expectations of what he should be able to do. Also, he does not deal well with anybody coaching him or helping teach him anything. And that is because it's almost like part of the perfectionism, but he feels like he should be able to get something quick. Like he always has been able to. And if he doesn't, the shame, the guilt, the hit to his ego and pride is huge and his stress system can't handle that. And, and the talk that he gives himself, his self-talk is, is brutal. So we're switching him into parts therapy to start working on the parts of him that are protecting him with the shame, the parts that are protecting him with the yelling. Um, and we'll see where that takes us as well. There's been so many pieces. So some of the pieces that we have used for him. So the smells and all of that we i've i'm so grateful uh to have had a friend that taught how to green your home and make it non-toxic we use all non-toxic cleaners non-toxic toothpaste non-toxic soap shampoos lotions that's made a huge difference um our laundry soap we use nelly's laundry soap which we get in big tubs from costco we use vinegar for our fabric softener we use wool dryer balls in our dryer so there's no sense in our wash at all so there's no sense on his clothes um we um have made sure that the noises are low in our house during the day when he needs them um he has calming music he knows we use 70 beats or 60 beats per minute music. You can go into that. You could also go into Insight Timer, which has a calming app in the Insight Timer. It's free and you can just go into, I think it's where you choose to just do a meditation or you can do music and you can just choose music for a meditation and it's all calming music. So he'll just play that sometimes while he's doing his work during the day. Um, we took him out of school. The stimulation of school was way too much for him. And I started seeing that when I took him out Tuesdays and Thursdays. I don't know what it's like in your school area, but um, I was told unofficially that he could not be failed out if he missed non-consecutive days. So I started pulling him out Tuesdays and Thursdays. And the difference just in taking him out those two days 
was already a difference in his behavior. Um, noise canceling headphones, he will not wear. He did. He does wear headphones even when he's not listening to things at home. He will not wear them out in public because he does not want to look different. Same thing. Loop earplugs are the, they're amazing earplugs. They're really cool. They're fashionable. They're made for concerts. And Loop, L-O-O-P, he won't wear them in public. Even though he's got hair that covers his ears now, he's afraid people will still see him and judge him. And he doesn't want to be different. Um, I really know that we need to take him to an audiologist. I have researched and found some audiologists in our area that work with overhearing that specialize in this. And when you hear more, cause you need a special audiologist because other than that, they don't know about the hearing aids for that. But with my son won't even wear noise canceling headphones or earplugs. I know he won't, but I am in some auditory processing disorder groups on Facebook and the stories of these parents of their kids, anxiety, how it's gone down after they've worn these. Um, that I am, it's still on my list of things to do. And I may just get them and have him wear them around the house because as we've learned, even reducing the stimulation in the home makes a difference for him outside of the home, even if he won't wear the hearing aids outside of the home. The hearing aids, people have posted pictures are so small, so tiny that you can't even really notice them um, unless you're really looking and he's got long hair that covers his ears. Um, we are less active, uh, which is okay. I'm more introverted. I like intimate, more smaller groups anyways. So we don't do things that are big groups. Um, and we don't do as many big social gatherings. We definitely have a solid bedtime routine. He knows the routine and it consists of him. He there's circle round is a podcast. He's 10 years old and still listens to it because it's calm stories with classical instruments in it. And that he'll listen to before bed. He may listen to some other podcasts before bed, or he may listen to music, or he'll do some breathing exercises depending on the night, but it's in the dark with that going on um, that gives him that calm stimulation. He sometimes does wear blue light blocking glasses before bed, which helps as well. And there are certain supplements that we take, that we give him. Now, I don't want to name these supplements right now because we got them through the, through a naturopath. Um, and there are certain adaptogens. So it's adaptogens that you would ask a naturopath for. I would not suggest just giving them to your child randomly, but it, um, adaptogens are what I also use when I'm working with adults in burnout, especially when I was working, when I do work with first responders that come into me with deep, 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 deep burnout, where their nervous system is so taxed that even breathing exercises is not enough. When breathing exercises don't get them out of that stressed state, I know that their system is so friggin' taxed that that's where we bring in adaptogens. And I've, I have, um, so yeah, I, I, I'm not going to tell you the names of them that I give my son because there are contraindications with them and it is best to do that through a naturopath or a functional medicine doctor, a functional practitioner, holistic doctor for your child. But what they do is they work on anger, aggression, um, ADHD symptoms as well are definitely helped. So there are some, like my husband now, my kids are actually at a birthday party right now. And my husband brought uh, one of these adaptogens that he uses just during the day when his stress system is completely taxed and he's beside himself, or we start seeing he's getting amped up. We start seeing at a party that he is kind of getting out of hand. He's starting to get agitated by things. and but he won't always take it then um, that if we can catch it early enough, sometimes we'll even just give it to him before a situation like that. So that we know he will have the support for his nervous system. So what certain adaptogens support the nervous system um, and they've been a godsend. We actually, one of them, I had stopped him taking for a while because I was like, hey, he's doing really well. And then he was really struggling. He was struggling in his therapy. He was struggling in, in the day. And I was like, what is going on? I'm like, oh, I stopped the adaptogen and put it on his, cause it was also helping his sleep. The, when he has this adaptogen, he has better sleeps, which are huge. Cause there's, there's one that he does during the day for his nervous system regulation for anxiety. And there's one that he takes before bed that helps with sleep. And so when he's been taking that with an adaptogen, if you do do this, you need to know that 
three weeks or so, you need to cycle it off for a couple of days so that they um, don't adapt to the adaptogen. Um, the adaptogens, they're all plant, plant-based and they, they just really are support for the nervous system and for anxiety. And just honestly, huge, huge difference in his life that he sees the difference that he makes sure he has it every night before bed. And when we cycle off of it, we make sure that it's going to be two days where we make sure that the next two days are calm. We don't have a lot that we're not asking a lot from him. And sometimes even on those days, I'll be like, yeah, you know what? He doesn't even do his schoolwork um, because of how much it does actually support him. I will also say melatonin, I hear a lot about in uh, with autism and saying there's a lot of studies that say that that melatonin helps with autism for their sleep and stuff. And yes, those studies may be correct, but I'm always very, 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 very cautious with melatonin, especially in females, because there are studies that I've seen where pre-puberty um, melatonin can affect, um, females pre-puberty. Um, my, I do sometimes there's nights where I'm like, Ooh, he is so wired and I will give him, but I give him half of a three milligram pill. So I give him 1.5 milligrams and that's it. Never go higher than 1.5 milligrams with him. Um, and that's all he needs to just downregulate. I've been told by a, a practitioner once that what the synthetic melatonin does is it actually stimulates your natural melatonin to kick in. So you should not need higher doses that adults, I would never, ever recommend for the burnout clients that I work with, the adults that I work with to ever do more than um, a three milligrams of, of melatonin. Um, and then the other thing that we do with my son, oh, so we also give them magnesium as well, but my one son actually... One of my sons, it works amazing for his sleep and the other one, it doesn't. It's, we do magnesium biglycinate. Um, and then the last thing that we do do for my son is we make sure he's fed. Uh, we find with him that his blood sugars, when they lower, that's when his nervous system really, really struggles. When we start seeing him amped up and I'm like, oh crap, he's hungry. I wasn't on the ball. What uh, if, like, even if it's dinner, if there is dinner and he is so amped up and he can't eat the dinner, I'll make him a PB and J. And you have to understand my background is in nutrition. I'm like, I've always been like your kids eat what is served at the table. But what I have learned is when his nervous system is so taxed, he can't, he just can't that I will give him, he doesn't want to eat at the table. He needs to be like in a quiet space, quiet room with his PB and J. I'll give him that. Once he's had the PB&J, he starts to be a human again and he'll come to the table and he'll eat his dinner. So I've learned that it's snacks. I, I make fat bombs for him. I'll do, I try to have a lot of different snacks that I know that he really likes smoothies sometimes, even if I know he's getting amped up before dinner. I'll make a smoothie super fast and give it to him just to get his blood sugars up enough to support his nervous system so that he's going to be okay to eat dinner. Um, and these are counterintuitive to how we're taught and how we parent and how I was taught with all my nutrition, right? So the thing is, is we really have to be in tune with the nervous system. And this goes with us too in burnouts. This is the same thing when I'm working with, with clients, with adults. Um, and, and it's fascinating because once I start seeing certain things, if I start seeing a client is neurodiverse, I start asking them about their kids and then they start teaching them things that I'm teaching them with their kids as well. And, um, and it starts helping. And the thing is, is, is these are so important because these are what we're doing is taking these stressors off of their plate. Now, it's also important to start strengthening their resting nerve. Because as we said earlier, your stress nerve is like a muscle. So the more we've kicked it in, the stronger it gets, the quicker it is to react. And if we don't train our ourselves as well as our kids, which is why this is always the first thing I do teach clients is, well, we go into deeper depths of training their nervous system, but the very, very, very basic thing for training their nervous system is to breathe through their nose. And so we do a lot of that stuff with my kids is making sure that they are focusing on breathing through the nose. So while he's listening to his podcast at night, where it's always a reminder of breathing through your nose as you're doing this. 
because when you breathe through your nose, you're actually switching yourself into your resting nerve. Now, as I said too, there's times where he can't, there's times where he's yelling at us. There's times where you are going to be like, I mean, as an adult, you know, the rationale. And if you start catching yourself, when you're switching into that, that, that anxiety, that overwhelm, that it anger, rage, and you're like, oh shit, my nervous system's taxed. You can start breathing through your nose. And slowly, that's it. Now we can get into advanced ways. We get into all different ways to start training your, your resting vagus nerve as bigger strategies. But that's the first thing that I would teach anybody who's overstimulated. And I mean, I'm so proud of my son last week. He was on his computer and he was having a tough day. And so we got off of his computer. He was trying to do his work. He was struggling with the answers to questions. His brain just wasn't working. And he went and rested on the couch and did his breathing as he looked out the window and watched our cat who was at the windowsill. And he told me after when I came down, he goes, I didn't get all my work done because I wasn't, he goes, I wasn't having a good day. So I stopped and took a break. And then he told me what he did for his break. And I was, my heart swelled. I was so proud of him. He's 10 years old and he's learned these strategies. Does he have meltdowns? Absolutely. Is his nervous system completely taxed still? Yes. He does not do courses or classes with the teacher teaching still. Nothing teacher led. It has to be all self-based. There's things that gets him, but more and more and more, I'm seeing him use these tools. And I'm I'm just oh, so proud of him because there's so many tools that adults don't know that, I mean, that's what I teach my clients and he he's pulling them out. And that's your resting system. And it's hard. Guys, this is hard as heck. I, I got into what I do because of my son. Because I was pulling out all the tools. I actually, I thought he was in, in burnout, which it may be that he was solely just in burnout and was born in burnout because I didn't have the tools to support him because I was in burnout while I was pregnant. That may be, that's the story I've always told myself. But as I'm diving more into this um, neurodiversity and PDA um, with this form of autism that he may have, which is one where they don't see themselves any different with anybody in authority. Um, my husband's a police officer and he doesn't see himself any different than them. He, they have to earn the respect from him. And it's, it's crazy. Like any lessons he does, like right now with swimming, he hardly, sometimes a teacher will be saying stuff to him and he'll just keep swimming off, which is so rude. And, and we're working on it in therapy and diving deep, but I'm like, I'm wondering what came first, the chicken or the egg? There's so many kids out there with these taxed nervous systems. There's so many kids out there with ADHD, with autism, with auditory processing disorders. I look back and I have some of these neurodiversities in the, in, in the sense of like the way that I learn and how fast my brain works and stuff like that. Definitely not as fast as my son, but it's fascinating when I start diving to this, what did come first, chicken or the egg? Could it have been that one or both of the parents while pregnant were in burnout and absolutely stressed? I do see this a lot in the first responder world. Miscarriages, I had miscarriages, which are signs of burnout. Um, and so many of the first responders that I work with where if they are a female responder that had kids or um, responders, spouses of responder, which I will say is not an easy life at all. Um, I wouldn't change it for the world that I'm wondering if it's the stress as well, that maybe the mom or the dad was in burnout and something was transferred to that child. And maybe a lot of these things that are occurring in our kids are actually the result of, of burnout of a taxed nervous system and all of that stuff. I don't know. I really don't know. But what I do know is the burnout stuff that I teach adults is working on my child who is neurodiverse and has all these symptoms of this stage one of autism and it's working. 
I'm just grateful that it is, but I wonder if there is that connection. So there's that with the kids. And, but there's this other thing. If you are the parent that's in burnout, I've been there. It is hard as heck. When you never wake up with your battery charged, when your eyes, just opening them takes energy. The simple things, making kids lunches, just getting yourself a glass of water, getting yourself like dressed in the morning is exhausting at times. Staying calm, not being overwhelmed where anxiety is ruling you as hard as heck. It's hard as heck when you have a child that does listen or one child is like so good, loves rules, loves checklists. He's the kid in class that the teachers are like, love having him in class because he sits there and does everything he's told to do. So we have one of these kids and it was hard to even parent him when I was in burnout. And then we add a child that is neurodiverse with this really toxic nervous system. It's hard. It's hard being yelled at all the time. It's hard when your child is struggling all the time and you're struggling as well. So what I would say to you is that give yourself some grace. I'll say that you will make way more progress with your child if you take care of yourself first. It is not selfish to take care of yourself first at all because you actually will make faster progress with your child. You'll have a better relationship with them. And you'll be able to have a happier life. And everything that you learn in burnout, as you've heard today, are also the things that you can be learning and teaching your child as well. So taking yourself to care of yourself is also taking care of your child. My son has seen me on days where I am exhausted, where I have headaches, where I'm perimenopausal right now. And there's days where headaches are just coming out of nowhere. I've never had headaches with my cycle. And I'm like, oh, and I know that I'm transitioning from one phase to another. And I'm like, oh crap, it's day seven and I've got a major headache. And I'll just come down and be like, I can't work today. I can't focus. My brain's foggy. I'm like, let's just sit and watch <laughs> Sheldon or let's just go for a walk. And so he sees me doing these things to give myself my grace as well. He knows then that I have to do the work when I'm feeling better, but I do it. And, but I give myself the grace when I need to. And he sees that. And that's what allowed him to give himself the grace today. He sees me getting angry and me be like, oh guys, I have not slept well. My HRV, they know too, like my HRV, all the stuff I talk about with whoop and aura, my one son wears my old aura ring and I am going to get my other son, um, a whoop band. <clears throat> and the thing is, is that. They know these stats be like, oh, my sleep stats weren't good. My HRV is low. My it was low today and I'm struggling to be calm with you guys. So if I'm yelling at you, know that it's not helpful or that it's not you. And I'm going to probably take some timeouts for myself today. And they know that. And I'm teaching them that. Because even though I'm out of burnout and I'm feeling really great now, we still have crappy days. Shit, hormones happen too. Perimenopause. You know, it's just a, a thing of life. We're thrown curveballs in life. Things happen. We go out and we eat this big fun meal that I know for my husband, he's Chinese. And they went and for his, I can't go because I can't eat the food, but um, he went for his mom's birthday and my one son went with. And the next day, my, both of them. We're a little moodier. We're a little on edge, but they had a great time and they enjoyed it. So the thing is, is that these tools that you do learn as well, if you're implementing them to get yourself out of burnout, then when you're just have life hits you, you know how to still manage them. You still have those tools that you take with you forever. And these are tools to teach your kids. We knew my husband and my son would be a little off the next day. And we told them, we're like, okay, so we're not going to do anything the next day. The next day is going to be really clean eating. We made sure that we planned our eating ahead of time. So we knew that it was going to be clean, healthy eating to get them back on track. And they knew to hydrate themselves. And we knew we were just going to have a chilled, relaxed today because that's all they could handle. We knew that my husband would have a nap in the afternoon. 
So you just, you learn how to do this. So parenting is tough when you're not in burnout, right? When you're in burnout, it's hard as heck. Give yourself grace, take care of yourself first, and then you'll be better able, you'll have more tools and you'll be better to take care of your kids. I hope that this has resonated with you and has helped you. Um, this is like a big part of my life. This is what I do. This is what I eat, sleep and breathe is my child and making sure he's going to be okay and learning all of the tools that I do teach to help my child um, and get people out of burnout. So if you would like to work with me, if you go down into the show notes, there is a link. Uh, you can book a 15 minute call with me where we can chat. If that goes well, where we do feel, hey, you know, what you're looking for is what I do. If it's not, I will refer you elsewhere. I don't believe at all in, I believe that it has to be the right time, right when you're ready for what you're doing. So we can have a quick chat there. If that works, then what we'll do is we'll do a free session. And on that free session, I'll get to know you more. We'll dive deeper into all of your stressors, what's going on. I'll be able to link a lot of things for you. And, and we'll lay out a plan of this is what we can do together. If that works, then we can talk about what it looks like to work together. I do one-on-one -on -one sessions at the moment. I am booking some, if people just want to do an individual session because they don't want to commit long-term, we can do that. And then I do have uh, reduced rates if people want to book like six or 10 sessions with me at a time. That's it. Um, some people, 10 sessions is enough, depending on where your burnout is. If you have a child like mine, then it will be more, more frequent or not more frequently, but we spread them out over time and uh, we work together how you are, uh, it, how you are. We work together at a pace that works for you. And uh, we do have a time frame though with the sessions. Six sessions need to be worked in three months, used in three months, 10 sessions in six months. And um, I have clients that every once in a while call me up and there was a change with their job or a change in a stressor in their life. And they're like, oh, I need to talk to you and figure out tools to handle this certain stressor. And we'll do that over time. So I have clients that I've had for years that pop back frequently and we work together when we can. So it's, it's a mutual working together. So if you want, go down into that link, book a 15 minute with me and my schedule, and we'll go from there. I have my other links as well. Burnoutexpert.ca is my website, working with first responders, 911lifestyle.com. And other links are down in the show notes. Any questions, my email is also in the show notes. Email me and I will answer them for you. All right. Take care and I will see you in the next episode.